I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind, and I'm honored to welcome to our podcast Adam Schefter. He is the senior NFL insider at ESPN. He's one of the most prolific and respected sports reporters in the history of the industry. Welcome, Adam. Hello there, Alexander. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. How about you? I'm doing great. Doing good, great. Good. You know, I wanted to ask you, in terms of the psychological effect on athletes during the pandemic, how many of the NFL players do you think concur with what Sean Doolittle said, uh, understanding that sports are, are a reward that we have to earn and that we haven't really earned it yet in a, in a sufficient response to the pandemic? It's an interesting question. I would just say that, yeah, I think we have to earn everything that we get in each phase of reopenings. And sports is a part of that. And I know people said that, you know, we need what's essential. And listen, there's nothing more essential than the healthcare workers, the frontline workers, the doctors, the nurses, and all the work that they're doing. They, they are as essential as essential gets. But I would argue, and I know this is my background, but I would argue that football is essential for a few reasons. Number one, for the amount of revenue that it generates for each local economy the jobs it creates in each market, the mental health that it provides people on the weekends. When, when you're talking about a diversion, when you're talking about jobs, when you're talking about money, yeah, it is a sport football, but, but I would argue it's about as close to being essential as essential can be with the exception, of course, of the medical people in this particular pandemic, if that makes any sense to you, Alexander. It, it does make sense. And, and I think it's just a question of maybe whether the consequence of reopening sports, uh, certainly with fans, but maybe even without fans, would put a strain once again on those frontline workers. I, I think the NFL is doing everything it can to get ready and gear up for the season it's planning. I think the NFL wants to play, it plans to play, it intends to play. Now, whether it actually can play or not is entirely a different issue. And until we get players and facilities and on practice fields and going up against each other, we won't know. We, on a daily basis, are asked to socially distance, stay away from people. Football is not done in that way. You have 11 guys getting in a huddle. Uh, lining up face-to-face -to, -face to hear the play call. You've got guys squaring off in the line of scrimmage. You've got guys being tackled. So, so really, it's not a pandemic-friendly sport. You're describing, Adam, the, the condition of football is not conducive whatsoever to social distancing. That's the reality of this sport. But do you think a reduced late season might help? Well, it's hard to reduce the season when we don't know if it is or isn't going to work. I mean, I can tell you this. Will I be surprised if the NFL season is reduced? No. Do I think they're thinking that right now? No. So, again, all options are on the table, and it just depends on how it goes. We can't say how it's going to go, right? So before we are talking about reducing, let's see how the actual season goes. Right. And we don't know if we'll get to that point yet. But when Sean Doolittle said in, to the Washington Post, try to be courteous to our fellow 
people and and earn, you know, do the right thing. And let's see where that goes. Yeah. So, so a lot of players though, especially NFL players, it's their means, it's their livelihood. Um, so it's not a reward for them to play. It's actually putting dinner on the table. Right. So, um, has there been any disconnect between the players who have significant salaries relative to sort of the players who can't rely on advertising contracts and really do expect to get paid in full this year? Well, again, they're going over these issues right now, trying to figure out how to work salaries in a pandemic, whether there are games, whether there are reduced games, whether there are no fans, some fans, partial fans. I mean, there are so many questions that still have to be answered in the NFL that they don't have answers to right now. Um, what about a player opting out? What about a rookie opting out? What about a veteran opting out? Do they get to keep money? Do they get to lose the money? Does the contract toll? Does it not toll? I mean, there are so many issues that they have to sift through. And the interesting part to me is that the NFL and the NFL PA, the Players Association, did a new collective bargaining agreement back in March for 10 years that was very complicated huge deal worth billions and billions of dollars. And I think once they got past that, people thought life would be relatively calm. As it turned out, that collective bargaining negotiation for a new CBA was really just a, an opening act to what is the main performance in trying to figure out all the issues that come along with the pandemic and how to deal with them. And do you think that the NFL is looking at all at the – slow rolling reintroduction of MLB or NBA, which haven't happened yet, but have they taken any guidance from what's been developed so far or not really? Well, I, I think that the NFL has the luxury of being the last sport to start up. So you're always going to watch what goes on in front of you and try to learn from that. And it's a situation where the league, I think, you know, they, they, they want to do everything they can to get the, it wants to do everything it can to get the games played. Again, we'll see whether or not the league can succeed or whether it can. And, you know, we don't know whether basketball can succeed. Can succeed. We don't know whether baseball can succeed. We don't know their hockey, college sport. We don't know this yet. Golf is not a real test for it. It's not contact. Right. Right. This is different. And I think every sport is – waiting to see how it plays out. In addition to the pandemic, there has been this grassroots mobilization for racial justice, and that has become part of the NFL storyline, anticipating a name change for the Redskins franchise. Uh, how you've reported recently on some of the systemic failures, not just the name of the organization, within the, Reds, uh, the Redskins franchise, um, how, how systemic is, is racial injustice in the league? Um, and is the Redskins story indicative of, of issues in other franchises too? Well, I think there are some real issues in the NFL like there are in all facets of society. If you look at just the number of minorities that are in front offices, that are in ownership, that are head coaches, the NFL has three black head coaches. It has two black general managers. There are 32 teams. It has I, – I don't think there's one uh, minority owner or a black owner who owns the majority stake of a team. So 
they're lacking minorities in ownership levels. They're lacking minorities at key front office positions. They're lacking minorities at head coaching spots. And so when we talk about something being systemic, that, that to me is the most blatant example that I can see in the NFL. Uh, again, I think our society is trying to address all these issues right now and figure out how to make things more right and more equitable and more balanced. And, and sports in that way are no different. They're just a microcosm of what's going on in society. But if you're going to talk specifically the NFL, uh, I think that you start with the lack of black people in key positions. And with respect to the Redskins and the rollout of a new name, um, do you think that they will recognize that the name is, is important, it's a symbol, and that there is substantive work to do within the organization too, and that they will be open about that when they, when they make the announcement of the change name. It won't only be about the name. They'll have other benchmarks for success. Well, I, I think that they recognize that, which is why they are changing the name, right? I mean, isn't that recognition of the fact that changes need to be made? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. What, what do you think the players most want to be those enduring reforms that ensure that the NFL can be different if their children play in it one day? Well, I, I think you're seeing players use their, their platforms to speak out against the issues that, that are not right and not just systemic racism, police brutality. Whatever it may be, uh, I think there are a whole host of issues that players are trying to use their platforms for to bring attention to, to try to improve. The NFL has created social justice committees. You know, we'll see how successful they can or can't be. I don't know that right now. But I just know that uh, they, they've tried to do their part recently. And, and you can make the argument in recent weeks that the NFL has been as active as any organization in this regard. Um, Obviously, there's always more that can be done, and they're trying to do that. But I'll leave that to them to handle. I'm just observing from afar, and it seems like they recognize that there is work to be done, and they've been trying to get that started. As someone who's followed the NFL his entire career, what are you most interested in seeing in terms of the way the pandemic um, has led to you know, sort of a, a new – evaluation of the NFL? Well, it's, it's such a different time in our world for everything. And, and again, I guess we're, if we're just going to talk about football, that, that's my job is to cover that sport. So uh, as it pertains to that, I would just say that people want to see football. And, and I'm making a generalization there only because it is the most popular sport and the television, rating, television ratings are huge. And the number of people that play fancy football is staggering. And the amount of money that's bet on the sport is more staggering. And so there are all these vested interests in there being football. Now, whether or not that can happen again is a different issue. We'll find out. But I just think people are looking for something during this time, like on those Sunday nights when ESPN ran the last dance for five straight weeks, and then it ran the Lance Armstrong documentary over two weeks. And then the documentary about Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And I think people appreciated, valued, enjoyed having 
those outlets, those diversions that normally sports could or would provide that no sport has really. Golf is underway. I love watching golf. Um, that's been great. And, and, and that's provided me selfishly just a little something to do on the weekend. Hey, I like to watch these guys play. What a playoff by Justin Thomas and Colin Marikawa. Like, great. Loved it. Entertained. So football is like that times 10 because of all it does, I believe, for our country, for all the economic benefits, the revenue benefits, the job benefits, the diversion benefits, the mental health benefits. We talk about mental health being important, right? How many people look forward to their favorite football team or their fancy football team or their bet to play out over the weekend? How many people are involved in that? How many people pay attention? A ton. That's why football is the most popular sport. Yeah, and it has the potential to be uh, stabilized in a way that the other sports associations um, might not be because uh, if, if the country does get its act together and the pandemic is under greater control, you'll, you'll have the opportunity to have a full season potentially. Um, but, but thinking about um, the psychological effect on, on um, not just the athletes, but the people covering sports um, in the Washington post, there's a story about one of the NBA reporters in the bubble there um, and, and what it's been like. Uh, what has it been like reporting on this? Because you're often getting uh, text messages directly from um, the management, owners, players. Um, mm-hmm. How has reporting on, on the NFL changed during this time period? Do you feel more connected to it because people have the free time to be able to really be thoughtful? change during this time period do you feel more connected to it because people have the free time to be able to really be thoughtful and discussing you know alexander i would say this that i'm living in my own little bubble right like i'm living in the bubble of my house and so my my job hasn't changed one bit like this past week was spent documenting and charting which nfl franchise players would resign before the deadline at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday for players to sign long-term deals. And Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback, didn't get a deal. But Derrick Henry, the leading rusher in the NFL, got one from the Tennessee Titans. And the week before, it was Patrick Mahomes signing the longest, richest contract in sports history. Um, Those stories fall within my jurisdiction. They're my responsibility for ESPN. And so I've been doing them. I've just been doing them from home, whereas ordinarily – I might be in Bristol, Connecticut at the ESPN headquarters. I have not been at the ESPN headquarters since March 10th. I don't know the next time I'll be back in Bristol, Connecticut at the ESPN headquarters. So my home has become my base and my bubble all together all at once. Yeah, like (laughs) exactly. the, 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 The job hasn't changed. The job is the job. But it's just being done in a different location. Like... The health guidance would suggest there would be fans, um, even if the, even if the season does start. Even yep. if the season does start, Adam, how, what do you think the difference might be in a fanless stadium environment? Well, again, to that I would say, look at golf right now. You you, you see these golfers go out with no galleries. You see no cheering. So there's a certain energy, a certain emotion that's missing from the actual live event. There's an energy that's derived from the crowd. When a player runs out of the tunnel 
and the fans are going nuts. A concert. The fans are going nuts. Well, what would it be like to play a concert in front of no audience or a Broadway play in front of no audience or a sporting event in front of no audience with no energy? It's just, it's just a different dynamic. That's all. So I have to ask you about the actual substance of the league this year. Of course, the, one of the major stories is the Buccaneers uh, and reassembling the Patriots in a new form. Um, what is the expectation of, of how the Bucs uh, will, uh, will go on this year? What, what do you think the, the expectation is for the franchise? Well, let me just say that first and foremost, and we start with this with everything, you just hope that there's football. Yeah. So assuming that there is football, because that's the big qualifier with everything, the Buccaneers become one of the most intriguing storylines in the NFL. Anytime Tom Brady leaves one place where he spent his entire career, 20 years, racking up six Super Bowl titles and goes to another place that's entirely new, entirely different, and reunites with an entirely different team, that gets everybody's curiosity up. And if there is a football season, and if there are games, everybody's going to want to see how Tom Brady does there. And again, if you just see him wearing these Buccaneers uniforms, it's just the, the, the side of it is so odd and strange and unusual. And that's, again, something that's very appealing. But again, I, I just think the idea of any game and any team, any player you come up with this year is appealing as long as there's football. And, and if there is, then great. And if not, then, then it's a problem for everybody. Were you surprised that he moved? I mean, were you one of the people in the camp surprised, or did you think that this, this had been long, long in the making? Uh, I think that, you know, last summer we were talking about the fact that he could be leaving, and I, I mentioned it on ESPN, and it was interesting because when I mentioned it, it kind of took on a life of its own that this potentially could be Tom Brady's last year. And then when the Patriots were playing on Monday Night Football against the Jets, in October, I believe it was, I, I remember being on the pregame show Monday Night Countdown on ESPN and saying, you know, this could be Tom Brady's last game. And people reacted like, yeah, that, that's not going to happen. And then that's what happened. And, and all you had to do there was just follow the breadcrumbs, right? Like he set up his contract to void after this year. He set up his contract so they couldn't put the franchise tag on him and keep him into New England. He was selling his home in the Boston area, like if he's selling his house and he's voiding his contract and he's preventing them from law, what, what do you think is going on? It's just obvious. Right. But I, some people just didn't want to accept it or believe it. And now that he's in Tampa, I think people obviously get it now. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the big picture of, of the league um, and the question of, of uh, racial justice, uh, are there players in particular that our listeners can – look up who you think have become the leaders on that issue of, of social justice, economic justice that uh, will stand out this year and not only um, considering kind of the embrace of Black Lives Matter and taking mm -hmm. a knee across society, but in a way that can leverage their celebrity to affect social change. Mm -hmm. uh, who is the LeBron, if you will, of, of the NFL right now, if there is one? Well, well, the LeBron of the NFL is Patrick Mahomes, but is the LeBron of the NFL, you know, who, who's that in terms of social justice? I, I don't know who that is right now. I know that we, we watch the NFL players and big names 
put out a video earlier this spring that got the attention of everybody. And so um, I, I think that everybody plays a part in this. And there are some people who have always been very involved. Colin Kaepernick, Malcolm Jenkins, Kenny Stills. Um, I don't know if you're looking for a star player, you know. Right. I just wonder, you know, it was a a big step for LeBron using his star power um, to embrace voting rights this fall, coinciding with both the NFL's return potentially and this November election. And um, Mahomes, while having that star power, it's, it's not clear if he, like LeBron, will go in that direction of, um, you know, a specific outlet for the social justice, either within the league or beyond. Again, I think a lot of these guys, Patrick Mahomes is 24 years old. You know, he's young. He's finding his voice. I think that he's navigating his path to figure out what he is and isn't comfortable doing. And I think right now, I think most players have recognized that there's a responsibility to speak out and to speak up, to bring attention to these issues. And whereas a decade ago, two decades ago, um, players might have been more silent, I think that's no longer the case. Players are speaking out and bringing attention to where it should be. And that's, that's a positive thing. And not really afraid of any backlash from either the viewers or fans or the ownership or coaches, if anything, feeling maybe encouraged to do so with the support? Well, again, I, I, I think at this point in time, the players aren't even concerned whether they have the owner's support. That's a, that's a bonus. If you get it, great. Right? Because some owners have been quiet and some owners have spoken up. But players recognize that whether they have support or not doesn't really matter. Right. They, they've got to do what they believe is right. And we've seen more and more of that. Just a few final questions for your quarantine viewing. What's been your favorite classic game to watch? There have been so many games across leagues that I've enjoyed watching over the course of this pandemic, and it's and that's been an outlet for me. But have you had a favorite classic ESPN classic game often played on the regular channels um, that that uh, you, was your was your favorite to rewatch? I I have not rewatched. A single game during the pandemic. Oh, really? To be honest with you. <laughs> you know, again, um, everybody has different interests and different priorities. I, I just haven't. Now, if I were going to pick a game that I'd like to rewatch, I wouldn't mind rewatching the University of Michigan winning the national championship in basketball in 1989 when they beat Seton Hall in an overtime game. That would be kind of cool to watch. I was a senior at school at the time, and it would be, uh, I'm sure, thrilling to see my school capture that title again. When it won in Seattle, I was at the game in person. It would be great to see. I know my college roommates recently watched it during the quarantine. I, however, did not. I, I just haven't gotten around. It's not something that I've done. Um, I, it, it, it would be fun, but again, I, I guess I'm onto the, you know. The, You're onto the future. Yeah, yeah, and I'm onto the football, you know, football season. Even though it's yeah. not underway, the issues that surround it are underway. And so that means I'm not going to have yeah. time to watch that game right now. I would say that I did for a brief period. Uh, I, I enjoyed the 20K uh, MLB games, Kerry Wood in particular, who was always a favorite of mine. 
But as, as a final question, Adam, you know, at the end of the day, would you rather see a successful, complete NFL season or would you rather see six games but then the exacerbating health conditions uh, require a shutdown and, you know, basically limbo? Uh, if, if you had those two scenarios, which are both pretty plausible scenarios, which would you opt for? Well, you know, I, I haven't thought about that. I, I, I guess I, I just want our country to get a handle on this pandemic and address it in the right way. And I'm not trying to be political. Apolit- I'm just saying that other countries have succeeded in handling this the right way. They've tackled the issue. They've gotten it under control. As of right now, we have not gotten it under control for whatever reason. So it would be great if we could get this under control and have all the things that we're used to having, not as a reward, but just because that's the way I think things should be. And Adam, we hope that there's a new normal with testing too, because we see how high profile athletes are being treated in the NBA bubble, for instance, and of course at NFL facilities and there is a rigorous testing regime enforced and regular people still have trouble getting tested. And, and you know, that needs to change in order for there to be a, a season, I think. Well, again, testing is going to be important. I don't think the leagues are looking to take any testing away from the public at large. Testing is important for everybody, for everybody. And I'll leave that to the leagues to figure out how they're going to handle it. Not, that's not my concern. Thank you for the work you're doing every day to keep us informed and engaged.